Hey, everybody. This is Zach. Hey, hey Zach. This is everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hi, Richard. <laughs> the multitude of Richards. The legion of Richards, yeah. as it were. We, um, are, we are not legion, but we try. <laughs> very close to it <laughs> um so yeah i guess uh today's episode is a a main show episode for well werewolves within uh a film that i don't know i saw recently it was like hey why don't we talk about this <laughs> yeah yeah it's about um having a lot of tiny tiny werewolves inside you yeah it's really it's really interesting yeah it's very interesting <laughs> me and Zach might have two different movies. It would, it would be hilarious to make a podcast where mm-hmm. you just know tangentially the the title of a movie, and then you just kind of spin it out from there, just make up a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> um, you, uh, yeah, you should just get me a glass of coffee and uh, just send me the races because I'm ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> well um i can start with werewolves within about uh, thousands of tiny werewolves that end up inside our protagonist it's kind well, of like that scene from evil dead where yeah. uh he gets all of the tiny little versions of himself popping out it's like that. Oh, i For love that section in um what is that that's an army of darkness right uh-huh. yep yeah that's yeah the um Man, that is another series that I think it would be hilarious to do a deep dive on because there's there's just so much there um, mm-hmm. between those four movies in a season. Um, but yeah, before we do that, let's uh, why don't we go through Mimi Mies? Uh, did you want to go first or did you want me to? Uh, yeah, you go first while I think of what to do. Okay, gotcha. Well, I have uh, three things that uh, should be pretty short. Um, so the the first thing is we uh, watched um, the Ice Road. Have Have you seen this come across your Netflix homepage? Uh, it's that documentary quasi show about people that go across ice roads. No, 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 no. Okay, oh, yeah. So I'm, well, I mean, it, it kind of is. That's Ice Road Truckers. Yeah, so The Ice Road is a uh, a, a movie starring Liam Neeson. It's a Netflix original. <laughs> but it's got Liam Neeson in it and his um kind of shell-shocked brother who's who's like a vet and there uh-huh. there there's a uh, basically a mine collapse uh, somewhere in remote northern Canada eastern alaska i forget which um but yeah he's he's having to race there because the 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 ticking clock in it is that the um miners will obviously suffocate because it's it's a collapse so so when was this released oh that's a good question uh let's see when was that released because like i know it was after taken um because it's very much got that same type of poster on it, where it's just Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson staring off into like the okay. middle distance. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. All yeah. right. Liam Neeson promised us all that he was going to stop doing these shitty action movies, <laughs> but he still keeps on doing them. 
Like he had a whole string of them, I think, all the way up to like 2017, 2018. And then he's like, you know what? After he had a couple that were like lukewarm received, I think big productions, he was like, I'm I'm gonna try to chill on that. And he's just he's, I mean, he was just talking about his ass. Why would he stop? Like, I know that there's there's different circumstances, but it's kind of like the um the Mel Gibson thing, or not Mel Gibson, um Bruce Willis thing where you know like Bruce Willis I think either last year or this year is going to be in 11 or 12 movies mm-hmm. and there are all these productions where he was paid like three million dollars like like two-thirds of the budget of the film to shoot mm-hmm. for like two days in eastern Hungary where he like sits in a chair and says a few lines and then there's a lot of back shots where there's just a bald white dude that you see. So they've, they've like spliced him into this movie. Um, and I know it's because he's has like early onset dementia and it's very sad, mm-hmm. but like, why would well, well, the aphasia, aphasia is that's, that's symptomatic of some kind of neurological condition. I don't know if it's exactly dementia. I oh, I thought it was, I thought it was dementia, but. Regardless, like he he can't be an actor. Like he physically is unable to do the job of being an actor. Um, yeah, the the aphasia causes you uh, an inability to understand speech, whether it's written or spoken, yeah. and also to communicate using it. So it is symptomatic of things that you see, like in very heavily progressive levels of dementia. Yeah. Um, but you know, by the time you get to that point, I think. In dementia, you're you'd be like bedridden, etc. I mean, it's, there's all different kinds of forms yeah. of it and levels, but I know they diagnosed him with aphasia, and I was like, oh. And then I looked that up, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, like with as for as as it relates to Liam Neeson, who does not have any sort of neurological condition. I mean, if you're going to get paid a shit ton of money to do your same old thing, why wouldn't you? You know, like he's what in his sixties, I think. Yeah, yeah, I guess. He's yeah, he's gotta... oh, he's almost seventy. Shit, yeah. he looks great for his age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like my suspicion for this movie though is that it was, it was probably shot right before he made that statement of not doing these types of movies anymore. And it just was released in 2021 because Netflix didn't fund it. They just bought the distribution rights for it. Um, I feel like it's a... <laughs> Richard is shaking his head and saying no. Um, I, I feel like it's it's the fate of a lot of movies that came out in 2020 and 2021 where it's just like, yeah, well, like, well you know, like Red Notice famously which is a dog shit movie um that was going to come out to theaters now i don't know if i would have had a very good time with ice road if i had to pay to see it but i I mean i didn't have to pay to see it i just clicked a button that said play (laughs) we're off to the races that just had to give Um, a slice of his life piece like a piece of his (laughs) life he was mortgaging (laughs) off i'm gonna watch this Well, no, like, especially with this stuff, like, I can have it on in the background, and it's, it's so, it's so rote and paint by numbers that I can do things like edit the podcast 
with one earbud in and still be paying attention to the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, they're they're going fast now. Oh, who's this? Oh, Lars Fishburne? Okay, cool. Oh, there's a shootout? Wait a minute, let me back up. Let me back up. <laughs> How did they get to the shootout? <laughs> um, so that's fun. I recommend that to anyone that likes uh, Taken or Fast and the Furious. <laughs> there's a lot of interesting things with driving trucks over... I mean, I guess in the back of my head, I knew that this happened, but a lot of those ice roads are literally ice roads. I, I've never seen the show Ice Road Truckers, but it's just giant chunks of frozen water that they drive over. Yeah. And they're just mm-hmm. somehow allowed to do that. Like, I don't know what regulating board goes out there and like goes, yeah, 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 it's thick enough. Yeah, I think it's people <laughs> just need what's in their trucks. And so they're like, okay drive across the ice road and give us the stuff that we need. And they're like, okay, cool. Pay us a lot of money. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, uh, the, the, uh, the next bit, I guess, is I, both of these are also Netflix. Show. Well, one of them is kind of a Netflix show. Um, I finished, or I'm in current to, uh, through a Cobra Kai. Right. Mm-hmm. which originally started out on youtube i think red was their studio that they shut yeah. down and then just auctioned off a bunch of stuff so like it's branded as a netflix show but it's not i mean it, the first two two or three seasons were on youtube i think um i'm kind of mixed on it i know it's a popular show mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i don't know how much of a karate kid head you are um <laughs> but how many karate kid heads are there um yeah so i saw the first season the second season and i guess what what are you talking about the fourth one? Oh no i'm just talking about the show in general um yeah but what's the last season you've seen oh i'm current so i've seen through season four four okay yeah, yeah i mean and I i'm think, not gonna uh, release any spoilers or anything here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rock rock your world for what's going to happen in Karate Land. Karate Land. <laughs> um, so anyways, I thought the first season was uh, entertaining, um, uh, just pop entertainment. I think what you, what you get um, for a show like that success, especially the first and the second season are probably the strongest. Yeah. And the third season was okay. We started watching some of the last one. And then we sort of lost interest in that um, because these kind of movie, this, these kind of entertainment vehicles aren't really made um, no. anymore no. for the most part, especially <laughs> with the tone that it takes with the material. Like initially, um, you know, what's his face? Who's the, you know, uh, Cobra Kai leader that's coming back who's just very obviously, you know, not really, um, he's not, uh, who you, you mean, Johnny? It? Yeah, Johnny yeah. is not really, um, um, what's the word? He's not politically correct, but he's also not really um, hateful of other people. Like, you're not going to have Johnny 
attend like a white power rally or anything yeah. like that. Um, cause that's just not really his thing. Um, but he, he is a man of his times, which for some reason he's literally stuck in, in the eighties still, uh, which is fine. Yeah. But, but I think what the biggest draw for the entertainment was is that you don't get, uh, things that hit in that same kind of schlocky eighties formula yeah. anymore. And there's still a, there's a nostalgia for that. Like we, we've had nostalgia for Stranger Things, which is like the weirder, uh, like quirkier kind of things. But yeah. we haven't had a lot of nostalgia hits break big in, in recent memory um, for current media, other than other examples, which we won't go into because we'll go on the tangents for that. Um, uh you know, there's things by Sylvester Stallone, like the Expendables, that have hit that initial itch as well. But yeah. for this particular genre piece, um, we haven't had things that hit on that nostalgia, which there's a lot of people that like that media, mm. but they also don't really have something that they can watch current with their kids, yeah. you know, or with their family that fits in that slice, yeah. you know, that's like, oh, okay, there's like, here's traditional, like hardworking value things but it's not tinged with like some of the lesser, you know, uh, savorable uh, elements from that period. Um, and so I think that's why it really hit big um, because even if you're too cool for it, it's like, well, it's intentionally cheesy in some ways and like formulaic, but it's self-aware of it being so. And so yeah. like, I can be too cool for it and still watch it and enjoy it. And people that are really not too cool for it, at least in their mind, they're not watching it ironically. Yeah. Um, it's, it's satisfying. And so I think it really hit on that formula. Um, it is difficult, I think, to uh, take that genre piece and make it grow, you know, yeah. like push past a particular formula. And so for me, like season four was kind of getting there where it's like, mm, yeah, I kind of see what's going to happen here and I see what they're trying to set up again. And, you know, I'm not really that interested the way I need to consume this right now. Well, you know, I got to be honest. I said I'm current. Um, I've I've had all the episodes play through my browser. I'm pretty sure I've slept through at least half of season four. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I could not tell you what the ending was, even though I, I just did this like last week. I guess mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, so the very, the, the, the thing that I like about this show, right. Is I really like the first season where, um, you know, my wife, before we, we started this show, which she, she like watched the first couple of episodes and was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm done. Um, she's much quicker to pull that, that eject button than, than I am. But, um, mm. You know, we watched the first, I think, three Karate Kids or, or what was on um, Netflix. And I never stopped to think about it because I, you know, I watched the first three when I was like growing up and like a little kid. Right. And so mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking about like the spans of time that are involved in that movie. But, you know, the first movie is over the course of an entire year. Mm -hmm. What I really like about the first season of Cobra Kai is that you get Johnny's perspective. And I had never stopped to think about it where, um, you know, 
from his perspective, <laughs> um, this new kid just rolls up and starts hitting on his girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. first or second day of school, and then attacks him, mm-hmm. right? Then they have an argument. They're having it like just a couple's disagreement on the beach at mm-hmm. night. And then the kid again attacks him <laughs> and he puts him down. Then he doesn't see him for three months and it's yeah. Halloween. Yep. And then this kid dunks fucking water on him while he's trying to take a leak. <laughs> like he does, he's not thinking about Ralph, Ralph Macchio's character at all. Like, so from his perspective, it's just like, yeah, this Daniel LaRusso kid just showed up and started being an asshole. <laughs> Um, but two, the thing that, (laughs) that really spins out more in the second season is how, like it's, it places undue importance on karate on the adult world (laughs) in present day. Like LaRusso, like Ralph Macchio's back, right? Like he, he owns the most successful string of car dealerships in the Valley, right? And then suddenly he he happens to notice that his rival from high school that he was a bully to arguably <laughs> um yeah. has dared to open up this shitty like strip mall karate thing next mm-hmm. to a, a like a like a, a 7-Eleven or something and he's like I've got to destroy him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got to snub him into the dirt and it's like Wow, man, LaRusso is the secret bad guy of that entire franchise. Like, with, yeah. with that minor reframing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very funny to me that... Because that, LaRusso Auto sponsors the, the regional karate championship and, like, funds the new building for it and stuff. And it's like, really? You're mm-hmm. still that into karate? Something that's not, like... Also, when when major characters from the series come back and they're like, I'm a Vietnam vet, me and my Green Berets, we busted out karate. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it's so patently ridiculous that it's it's kind of funny. Um, the joke wears through um, uh-huh. somewhere around the third season, um, maybe earlier, depending on on what you think is funny about it or not. But I mean, it's, it's kind of like Steven Seagal being this like Aikido master. Mm-hmm. and yeah, then I having think... someone make him shit his pants in a meeting when he... <laughs> yeah next next episode zach's gonna be like so last week after the podcast debuted some random set of dudes just came and kicked my ass with karate and then they left <laughs> i'm not saying it's a it's not a fun hobby i don't know that green berets bust it out doing wet works though <laughs> Yeah. Um they get in the low wide stance and they uh they start picking <laughs> their sidekicks. Yeah, this thing we can teach your seven year old daughter in a strip mall. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's totally what Green Rays use out exactly. in the real world. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's it's just it's very funny. <laughs> but not not intentionally. Um, the, the other thing that I finished, which is a very short show, um, is, mm-hmm. is intentionally funny. Uh, it's, uh, only six episodes. It's, um, which I think it's coming back for a second season. 
um, as long as Netflix's financial troubles don't make them cancel it, because there's lots of big names in it, uh, is Murderville. Have you uh, have you seen not, anything about that? Not heard of it at all, in the least. So it's it's kind of an improv show, and it's kind of not like they're they're framing um scenes that kind of set up the episode but it's got will arnett as this like grizzled like private eye, or not private eye he's actually a detective um and oh yeah like, i know the sh- i know the exact story you're talking about yeah yeah so like the um i don't know it's it's very funny there are some episodes that are hit or miss um like let's see looking through the the cast list so yeah uh, Conan O'Brien's episode is interesting, but I don't know how good it is. Like Conan O'Brien is a very funny person. Um, mm-hmm. And he's also very smart. So like all of the bumbling comes off as like him making fun of someone who is mentally challenged in some way when he's, he's like having fun with Will Arnett. Um, yeah, with the conceit of, of the show. He's yeah, like, within oh. the conceit of the show, it's it's like he's making fun of someone with mental difficulties, and yeah. so it's like well, eh, this well, isn't as <laughs> I don't I don't know if I would paint him with that brush. Well, I feel like he's because uh, I've actually seen the show. I don't know yeah. that I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like he's making fun of the conceit of the show to where like they'll Fair. get into they'll get like into an interrogation scene, and he'll yeah. be like, oh. That's the clue I'm supposed to be seeing, you know, as far as like, yeah. And then Arnett's, Arnett's like, you know, playing the, I guess you could say the straight, the straight man, you know, in a comedic kind of thing, like sticking really to it. And so then uh, Conan's like, oh, okay, well, how about I take it this direction, you know? Um, So I think, I think he's, I don't know his history with improv but he's less sort of um, committed to like engaging deep with it and more yeah. just like standing aloof and kind of poking fun at it, which I think is what yeah. he sort of does. Yeah. Shtick. And and I think that is his shtick and why it kind of rubs me the wrong. Cause he's not like going with the show necessarily, but he's yeah. also like, he's a stand up comic, which is scripted. Um, uh-huh. He, wrote for the harvard crimson again scripted he was a a writer for um the simpsons which Mm -hmm. again scripted (laughs) i i don't know what his familiarity or experience in improv is so you know who really surprised me on those episodes show uh marshawn lynch i was was about to talk about him he is fantastic he's so good and it's like wow I was like, wow, I was not, a, I mean, I know the, the, he's a quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I know quarterbacks yeah. don't get hit a lot, but like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't expect a football player who is good in their specific, like mm-hmm. structured position or whatever in, in society to then be also like pivot and also be very funny. Yeah. <laughs> improv setting. Um, but no, he was great. I because like otherwise, I know nothing about him. Like I barely yeah. knew that he was a quarterback. Yeah. Because uh, I just I don't watch sports. Um. But uh, yeah, no, like his episode was on. I'll I'll be honest. Um, his episode and Annie Murphy's episode were my two favorites. Uh-huh. All of the others, like I I could take or leave. 
<laughs> Which is funny because, you know, Conan O'Brien, Camille Nanjiani, uh, and Ken Jeong are all comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The character that Sharon Stone decided to play, I wasn't as huge a fan of. Uh-huh. Um, but she's also not a comedian. Um, yeah. But but yeah. no, like with, with Lynch and Murphy not being comedians or stand-ups or anything like that mm-hmm. um like i thought their episodes were honestly the best um mm-hmm. especially the, there's a scene in and for anyone that doesn't know it, <laughs> i guess i need to back up so um yeah it, so it's framed as a police procedural and uh the guest celebrity is a trainee that's assigned with will arnett and they have to solve whatever crime has happened right and they have to go through the scenes that you'd expect in a police procedural get clues make their guess and then it's confirmed at the end of the episode whether they're right or not right and not all of them are correct (laughs) um there's uh let's see yeah so it's it's 50 50 uh correct and incorrect guesses um, but there, there's a scene specifically in, so in Marshawn Lynch's episode, though, the one that sticks out to me is like, they're in a morgue and he just like freaks out and is like, nope, I'm not, I am not dealing with this shit. <laughs> like he, he like fully embodies his character. Cause you know, he's on a set, like he knows it's not real, but like you mm-hmm. can like his performance as such that it's just like, Oh, that seems really genuine. <laughs> um, and there's another one uh, in, in Annie Murphy's where they're, they're in a kitchen and interrogating a, uh, a baker and the baker is moving around and not really wanting to, to give up any information. And so she's like talking while she's doing things and making noise. Mm-hmm. And Will Arnett is loudly having a conversation with her while Annie Murphy is asking her questions and she'll yeah. respond 50, 50 to Annie Murphy and to Will Arnett. And yeah. finally, like it pisses Annie Murphy off to the point that she's like, can you please shut the fuck up? I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get her answers. I can't hear her. What are you doing? That's great. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's uh, pretty great. Yeah. And I, I feel like if, if uh, it's really like a, like a murder, Mr. Dinnery, a dinner kind of vibe. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it's, it's like. I don't think I've actually ever been to one of those, but I've seen renditions of them. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find like home party games of that where like everyone comes in character and it's mm-hmm. it's basically like a clue. Like you're given a little card um, of the information that you know and how you should interact with certain other characters and it, it mm-hmm. plays out like clue. Yeah. Um, I've never done that either, but it I, they look fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm looking forward to the second season of that whenever it comes out um yeah and that's that's me for me me me's mm-hmm. in and out in under 30 minutes that's what that's what he said um let's that's what see. domino said baby yeah and they meant it uh i can't believe they're bringing the noid back uh either um oh yeah Show you nostalgia is where it's at. Yeah, I just 
it just seems like the like the the entire reason they got rid of the noid is such a black mark in the company's history you think they would just not bring him back mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's see what am i yeah i don't really have a life uh right now with the way work is so yeah. um I don't know. I, uh... Did you play any spend... games? No, I don't have a life sack. I just do work and then I go to sleep. <laughs> oh, um, no. So, I found um, a home to rent, which is kind of cool. Because uh, I'll need more space um, pretty soon. Um, have a baby on the way, so that's great. Um, oh, that's and... the first time you've brought that up. Do you want me to leave that in the episode? Yeah, I mean... As long as nobody tries to abduct my baby and I have to shoot them. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, we should uh, send send uh, Richard your your congratulations because uh, uh, I think yeah. this is the first time you've brought it up. <laughs> yeah, don't make it too personal. Like that'll be creepy. But uh, yeah, and you can send him out to the void if you want to just look at the wall and say congrats. That's fine too. You don't got to track me down. Yeah, your new address is blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely blah 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 blah. Um, you know, public records are a thing. That's fine. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a coworker, a former coworker, who I gave the news to, and I'd always been very friendly with. Um, and uh, they congratulated me, and then they also wanted to know what my address was going to be. So around that time, they could send me a gift, and I'm like, oh. That's sweet, but also I'm a paranoid personality, so that's very yeah. I'm gonna do this, but I'm watching you, okay? Um, and that's you'll just get, you'll get a strange box filled with baby toys. And stuff. Yeah, I might I might shoot it a couple times and then open it. You never know. <laughs> Go in I'm the sure field that baby blanket works real well with. Yeah. With twelve gauge buckshot through it, yeah. If it's knitted, you know it'll kind of like pass through some of the knits. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's like padded um, armor, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't really been doing um, much of anything that's fun or interesting. Um, I went out and had dinner with my wife uh, yesterday. We I had to find an open air patio place, and so I was able to do that. It was a very nice establishment um, and um, open air away from other folks. It wasn't too hot because we were sort of in the shade. Um, so that was nice because I haven't, we haven't really done anything like that in quite a while since yeah. um, the baby was conceived. So we're trying to protect said baby as yeah. the biological responsibility we have. Um, not for any sentimental reasons, just, you know, survival of the <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I got this new keyboard about two weeks ago. I've maybe spent, you know, 30 minutes on it. It's right here. Though. It's, like I could touch. <laughs> it's a very nice keyboard. I, I wish that I could tootle around on it. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. I figured out, um, how to, cause it has different zones that you can assign. It's got 16 zones, which basically equate to 16 ins and outs that it can receive on channels through USB. Yeah. Um, And so it can send MIDI data 
but it can also send back audio data. So if I wanted to, it has an audio interface in it, in in and out. So if I wanted to connect it to the computer, I just turn it on and then it, it, it gets used as a, an external input. And then I can just connect to the keyboard. I can hear you talking to me through the keyboard and I can also play the keyboard at the same time. So I could just be ignoring you rightfully so, and you have no idea. Um, so that's really great. But also I can use um, software since one of them is Piano Tech. Um, oh, nice. Which is uh, an algorithmic um, piano virtualization. So it doesn't work based on samples. Yeah. It works based on algorithms that approximate tons of different parameters. It goes crazy nerding out. But in any case, I can play that and then the audio gets routed back into the keyboard in just my normal headphones. And um, so I could have two sounds going on. I could have virtual sense from my computer yeah. routed into here. And then everything that this has as well um, and so it just gets insane. Uh, it's just, just so much fun that I could be having if I actually played it. So, yeah. Well, and it's a know. full, what, 88 keys? Yep. Full 88 keys. Yep. And it's are they weighted or is it, yeah, or is it like my, my, my little MIDI controller where it's just like, yeah, there's no resistance on it. You just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those, they call like synth key action. Um, yeah. and then there's also semi weighted, which is also popular. Okay. Um, and then there's fully weighted, which is like hammer, um, piano action sort of weighted. And these are the fully weighted hammer piano action kind of thing. Because I wanted to be able to play classical pieces. Um, yeah. So the coolest thing is that the piano tech, well, the Roland sounds are fantastic. They're great. Um, they're um, our virtualization base. And, you know, um, Roland has their own thing related to software. But the piano tech, piano sound, because that's their all their bread and butter. Um, Roland has a VPN, and I guess this is my me, me, has a VPN setup, which does the same thing. It's an algorithmic piano approximation. So it's a lot of mathematical models. It's, it's like how you model um, water fluctuation and movements. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've ever watched, um, you know, like a Pixar documentary, and they talk about finding Nemo and like mm-hmm. using algorithms to model the motion of uh, waves. It's the same thing, except you're modeling, you know, the velocities that the hammers hit a key or hit a string. And then the, the actual uh, motion of the soundboard in relation to that. And then also the distance of microphones that are picking that up. Um, and also you can model like the hardness of the hammers. You can model like the in, in, inharmonicity of the strings because if you've ever looked into piano um the bass keys tend to have one really fat copper string where they kind of get around that point um and so you're just hitting one but when you get higher up you know those strings are taut really really tight um and so you actually have multiple pairs of strings close together that each felt hammer is hitting and so you can model how inharmonically close those are uh, from each other. Because uh, the closer they are, the more like a clear sort of sound you get, like yeah. more in unison. Uh, think of it like a barbershop quartet. 
But if they're slightly off from each other, like several people singing slightly off of a pitch, it creates a fullness in the sound. Um, but if they're way, way far off, then you have like chorusing, you know, sort of effect. Or, um, you know, it seems kind of like out of tune, which if you've ever played an out of tune piano, you know exactly what that sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> um, or kind of like a honky tonk piano sort of thing. So you can do all of that with Piano Tech. Roland has their own version of that that they released years and years ago, I think in the 90s sometime. But when they came out with that, that was like $10,000. Um, in of course it money. was. <laughs> yeah, so it was a lot of, a lot of money. And yeah. Roland's, a, I have a fondness for Roland as a company just because they have a very particular aesthetic. Um, they don't always, I don't think they aim to be like bleeding, bleeding edge, but they always aim to like satisfy like a large body of consumers and they want to satisfy the people that like their older stuff and satisfy like new audiences. So I was texting Zach, like some of the piano sounds and samples in here are like Wilhelm like screams, you know, or uh, like car sounds and et cetera. And they're not updated fidelity car sounds. They're like, no, they're the same ones that Roland has been putting on since they had car sounds like they don't they don't get rid of sounds they keep no. them and then if you want to pay for you know better ones or different ones you you can pay through that there's like a pay model for that there's plenty of sounds in there um so they have like really good saxophone sounds and then they have just really cheesy ones you know um and they just love it all like yeah uh and so their stuff is always like a um, they're just very, very pleasing, and they know what they want to hit as far as the market, and they stick to that. So, yeah, that was um, a little cool bit. And um, let me think. Yeah, um, I, I will say that Roland, uh, as a company, definitely makes makes the case for rather than someone like um, teenage or Korg, where they're like trying to push the limits of new stuff all the time roland no. i think aims for quality over the newest biggest neatest feature like yeah um just as a drummer their electronic drum kits are fucking amazing like most like i i have a a little practice kit of uh yamaha that are like just drum triggers right plugged into a brain but they're they're just the rubberized trigger, so it doesn't feel like you're playing drums, right? Yeah. Roland has, and maybe there are other companies that do it too. I haven't looked in years, but Roland for a while were the only people that had uh, what they called V skin, which they had the same trigger, but then oh. just raised over it. They just have uh, some sort of mesh fabric stretched, and so when you hit the actual trigger you get some pushback like you would mm -hmm. on a drum head. So playing them feels like playing a real set of drums. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a little bit different, but it, it's much closer to feeling like a, a real set of drums. Yeah. Um, Roland is, is fantastic. And pl plus their drum sounds um, actually sound uh, sampled and mm -hmm. like in a good way. Um, yeah. 
because a, a lot of times, especially with, you know, the Yamaha kit that I have, it's got like 80 or 90 different voices programmed on it in the, the brain. Um, and like, I can, I can sequence them to different triggers and stuff, but like a lot of them just sound really fake. <laughs> you know like it's like the decay i think is too high on it and so it just it ends way shorter than, <laughs> than you'd expect <Yeah>. it to <laughs> sorry some, to uh, take over your me 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 t- oh we're <laughs> good we're gonna get some yamaha fanboys now hate mail um i think the the critique from the guitar centric circle and you could also get this with other drummers keyboards etc um with roland is they're like People are like, oh, well, why didn't they do like this feature and like this feature and like they have this and like another product and why didn't they do that? Mm. Um, and it's just like, I mean, they put in what they wanted to put in yeah. um, <laughs> and they kind of stick to their guns in that respect because um, they have from a guitar standpoint, like they have pedals that have been super popular um, for a very long time um, on the secondhand market and Roland doesn't re-release them because like a lot of Japanese, at least the companies I'm, I'm interested in have the knowledge of, they have a aesthetic and an innovation mindset. That's like, Oh, well we want to do something different. Uh, even if people like like the DD two, they want to make the DD seven, you know, which is what they have, I believe right now, uh, like their digital delay. Even if there's really big fans of like the DS2 or there's like really huge fans of like this version of the pedal, they're like, well, we want to do this one, you know, because they just want to keep on moving it forward. Um, Even if, you know, people have particular love for older iterations because of different fidelity or sound characteristics, et cetera, or, um, you know, uh, other little features like, oh, well, why can't we have the V piano? in this model because mine doesn't have the virtual analog you know analog piano it has the supernatural piano which is i believe sample based (laughs) um and the the model that's above this that's literally two times its price has the the v piano thing and it's like an all metal aluminum casing um whereas this is like a stiff rigid plastic but it's like yeah i I didn't want to pay four thousand dollars for that i'm glad that they issue this out and it doesn't weigh you know 40 something pounds um i can lift this you know easily in and out and um you know they hit on this market segment and they knew people wanted something with basically the same layout for buttons just not heavy metal uh kind of casing and maybe a couple little bit of less options but half the price um so they they really hit at market research on okay what's going to please like the greatest segment of people sure but they're not they're not always interested in like pleasing like the one percent yeah the one percent like oh we want like this this bleeding edge etc they're like no we're we're gonna do this because we know this will hit the widest audience um yeah which i mean there's something to be said for that because it it, it's probably not feasible for them to uh, stockpile like 10,000 extra pedals that like, you know, a dozen people <laughs> will buy. Yeah. Like they've probably sold the stock that they're going to sell. And then yeah. then it's all aftermarket because yeah. they, 
you know, I'm sure that there's some, some financial algorithm that, that keeps track of the actual numbers for that. But and they're really successful. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, guys, we, we, we kind of know what we're doing. Like I have, I have yeah. one of their looper pedals and it's a great looper pedal. Um, it's, it's heavy, you know, metal, uh, yeah. casing rugged. I don't, I feel like it's ever going to like have an issue. Like you have pedals from theirs in the, like in the early nineties that I've had that work perfectly, you know, yeah. as the day that they were made. It's a very, um, if you know anything to get back to another nerd arena, that's maybe closer to our thing. The uh, the testing that occurred with the, the GBA, the Game Boy Advance, yeah, they wanted to be able to make sure that it could be dropped like several times from a height, and that it could still be used and it would still work. Yeah, yeah, and so they want that same kind of ruggedization. Like, don't drop my keyboard from five feet in the air several times. Yeah, but for some of their stuff like their pedals, you know, they want it to be ruggedized, etc. Yeah. Well, and I was just about to say that like especially with music gear, um just like with with the uh, cameras and like audio equipment, the profession the the people that cater to professional and prosumer type markets, um yeah, it's going to be more expensive because it's meant for everyday use by someone who's probably going to fuck up every now and then. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, like do you want your guitar pedal to survive getting thrown against a wall? Yeah, it's probably going to cost a couple hundred dollars. Do yeah. you not care if the 300 pound guy helping you load in at whatever bar you're playing doesn't notice your boss mega distortion and crushes it? It's like 40 bucks. Like yeah. you can, you can go with whatever paycheck you got from that gig and buy another one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if it was good enough for Prince, uh, you know, it really should be good enough for anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Prince, Prince was a big proponent of just like, he had like four or five different boss pedals. You could always yeah. see him playing all the time because he's like, it's it's here in my hands and the playing yeah. and everything else. And this is just reliable. Oh, well, that's not to say that they don't make good stuff. Like that was they just... Like the mega distortion pedal is the one that comes to mind because it's the one that every 16 year old guitar player has Uh in their, their, um, bag of tricks before they, they figure out the, the one that, that works for them. And if it's the boss one, that's, that's great. They're, they make good stuff, but I, I don't know if it's like the most rugged, I guess I'll say, um, you know, my, my, brother went through a number of boss pedals um before he he finally went with some boutique company i I forget who but um it it basically it was like the cost of four or five of them Mm -hmm. but he's never had to like pull out the wires and re-solder inside again um so yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so does your brother i imagine also have uh the gifted heavy foot of the parises as well so he just like boom on a pedal uh because i i can i can honestly say i've never broken a pedal in my life i've had a lot of them well no it's not uh it wasn't about um like the force with which he was hitting it it was just like the light would come on to say it was engaged uh-huh. and then it it just wouldn't work like it wouldn't do whatever pedal it, it was wired up into the board um so, i don't know 
<laughs> and by soldering, I mean he has he has never soldered. Like by soldering, I mean taking it to his friend that does all this stuff, <laughs> getting it done. Um, which you know the cost for that is like, hey, buy me dinner. Not. <laughs> Um, it's not a huge cost but like you know some some of the some musical instruments will survive getting thrown at a wall some won't (laughs) because that's what you're supposed to do with them yeah exactly well it depends on what type of shows you play (laughs) depends on what type of shows you play Uh, if it's it's part of the show it's totally fine yes (laughs) have you ever been to a noise concert this is this is a side tangent um, I've heard I've heard them on record. I've never been to one though. So I really want to go to in Oklahoma of all places is Ooh. like the World Noise Fest, and I have a friend of mine from way back in elementary school mm-hmm. that um, is is a professional noise. Like I mean, he's like he puts out zines. He sells his artwork and so so like. It, he's not like a professional musician and that the music is the only thing he does that sustains him. But for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes, he's, he's a professional noise musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and the setups for these people, like on, on his Instagram, he'll share whenever he goes to this other, other acts that are performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be these weird performance art pieces from some, some people in the noise scene where it's just like, yeah, someone's going to put put a mic in a uh, metal coffee can, right? Mm-hmm. And then punch it and scream arrhythmically, right? For like a set, like a like a twenty minute set. It's like, what what is the turnout for this? Like, I can't imagine it's very high. Uh, um, I knew I knew some uh, some friends of mine in high school who. Basically, um, <laughs> the track for this is, it's a lot like, uh, you know, the track for, for some drugs that I won't really name, you know, yeah. exception. <laughs> um, is that you, you try something, you start on this, and then you want something a little harder. And then for them, it was like, okay, music at the time. Okay, I want something harder. All right, now I'm at Bolivian death metal. All right, I want harder. You know, I need I need more inharmonicity. <laughs> I need uh, more discordant. And then you get to, you know, someone recording piezo microphones placed on bandsaws uh, that they're chopping through like metal drums with. Yeah. And then they put like plug that sound as they record it into like reverb and delays and fuzzes. And then they boom that out, you know, for like an hour. And that's that's the track. That's you just want to get so metal to where you're not hitting it's, metal strings. Yeah. You're actually just hitting metal, you know, and just like yeah. slamming it. And that's that's what a lot of my friend stuff sound like sounds like because like I've I've uh, you know on Bandcamp I've I've gone and bought a couple of of his like uh, otherwise he releases them as singles, but you know like it's it's two tracks, but it's like. 20 minutes worth of music right but like a lot of his stuff is is uh sampled and re remixed and um like found sound type mm-hmm. soundscapes and stuff which i would argue is at least artistic and musically inclined more so sure. than, 
punching yeah. a metal coffee can and screaming. <laughs> if that if that goats your boat, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean perfect. that's. I'm sure that there's someone out there that enjoys that. Um, yeah, I I have been known as someone who whose musical tastes have been called noise before, um, namely by my mother. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's no shade on that, but I really want to go to a, to the Oklahoma music fest yeah. <laughs> or noise music fest. Uh, I just don't want to go to Oklahoma. The only thing shame. I have with that is that, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to equate myself with tinnitus or, you know, really loud, loud decibels. Um, it's just, yeah, I already have enough of that from guitar amps and, and whatnot. But I'm sure with some hearing protection, some distance, perfectly fine. Not a yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like I, I, I have worn earplugs to every show I've attended and every show I've played mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, since I was about 15. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do not want that tonight. It's, it, it sounds like a nightmare. Um, yeah. I got a like, little bit in my right ear, but it's like. I can still hear my fingers when I rub them together like this. Yeah. So it's fine. It's not a big deal. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I had an amp play too loud as I was trying to demo some sounds. And really what it is, is you get the same set of frequencies. If those are played at a very high decibel level, depending on the span of frequencies. So like, let's say you had like the same chord, you know? you play that same chord, you're hitting those follicles that vibe, that are vibrating most resonantly at those frequencies with that loudness of a sound. So that repeated incidence of exposure. Um, and so uh, when you have like a really loud rock music, because if you're hitting a very wide frequency spectrum or, um, you know, like an explosion of something, you know, like an actual dangerous explosion close by, you know, you're hitting everything. Um, so it was uh, some chords I was, it wasn't even, uh, you know, loud music playing. It was, I was A, being two things. And uh, I wanted to determine the char- characteristics of each dependent. And um, so I was playing these two things with the same sounds because I was trying to A, B them. And so um, that long-term bit, this was very recently, let's say, um, like in the past year. Oh, so really? after that, I was like, oh, I got to watch out for that. And I was just sitting too close and I was tired and stuff. So mm-hmm. no, no big deal. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think that is solidly uh, my major move. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry I interjected. I just like talking music with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the, the purpose of the me, me, me is for, uh, to transform it into an us, us, us. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and uh, to do that, uh, yeah. Today, the uh, like I said, the episode is on werewolves within, which is not uh, about tiny werewolves infecting people. How do you know? I may have uh, seen a very different movie than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, this is a movie that came out in twenty twenty one. Um, the. And and it's one of those movies that I, I feel like pretty much anything that was released commercially uh, between 2020 and 2021 has to have an asterisk next to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it had a six and a half million dollar budget, only made nine hundred and forty two thousand dollars at the box mm-hmm. office. 
Um, it was very limited release on June 25th. Um, my wife is the one that actually showed it to me because she masked up the, the Plaza theater, um, in Midtown Atlanta, uh, was showing it as part of like a drive through series that they had set up in their parking lot mm-hmm. to kind of socially distance. And, um, she went to see that. I think I was working and then they released it on VOD, which is when she shared it with me. Um, it's honestly, it's, it's, I, I was looking, it's the highest rated video game adaptation film, uh, on both Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 66 on Metacritic, which surprises me. I feel like those numbers are kind of low, but people just don't like video game movies, I guess. Yeah. And Um, then there's, you know, Nathan Drake. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I guess that came out since I I did a lot of the. Research well, no, no, that that didn't do as well. So like, there's something that you know didn't do as well review wise. Gotcha. Yeah. Also well, by and, you know the company. And and um yeah, like I I feel bad for this. Like I I want more people to see this movie because so pre production started in October of 2018. They announced the cast in early early 2020. And then started photography in February of 2020, mm-hmm. which sucks. That's yeah. <laughs> a lot of the world shut down like March 20th, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, no word on how, how long reshoots went because it, yeah, it obviously came out um, a year later, over a year later. Um one of the funny bits uh about this that I found in terms of trivia is that they couldn't afford the USPS logo and licensing. So Milena Vaintrub, who plays the the mail lady in it, mm-hmm. uh, works for the National Mail Service, if you look at her logo. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> um, and I, I got a beef with one of the, the critical uh, reviews on this, because the, the critic, I think it was with AV Club, let me let me double check before I besmirch the name of yeah no it's the AV Club um, said that uh, it it's Clue with werewolves. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put a pin in that for a second yes. and talk about the plot. Um, basically, the plot of the movie uh, is this is adapted by uh, Ubisoft Games. Which side note I. Uh, I'm kind of irritated. I was telling my wife when I was rewatching it last night that um, I'm kind of irritated that there's no mention of Looney Labs because they're the people that put out the werewolf game that mm-hmm. Ubisoft made werewolves within the video game off of. I mean, they can't really copyright it because it's it's basically mafia or assassin yeah. or, or whatever. Um, but it was just kind of frustrating to be like, thank you, Andrew Looney. <laughs> Um, for for codifying this game that we released and then shot a movie around yeah but ubisoft is just known for ethical behavior so yeah (laughs) yeah they really yeah just go go to your friendly local game store and pick up the pack of uh, looney labs card cards that that you play with um it they're they're like 15 bucks like it's it's a very fun game especially if you have a lot of people who've been drinking, because I can't tell you the amount of times that we've played this at cons. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, the basic plot is that there is a newly, uh, assigned, uh, park ranger at the national forests in Vermont. Um, I keep thinking it's in the Pacific Northwest, but it's like, nope, it's the wrong coast. <laughs> um, and he's moving in during the, the, uh, the winter season. So the town is pretty much deserted. Like there's a handful of locals, uh, there's a natural gas pipeline guy coming through who's trying to buy up everyone's land to run, run a pipeline through it, um, which also adds to the murder mystery aspect, because for a lot of the movie up until I would say the last like 15 minutes ish, it's very up in the air as to are there werewolves in this or is this just a bunch of people murdering each other? <laughs> um because you know i I don't know if you were doing doing a kill count or anything but the werewolf only kills one person in the movie in the in the movie that we see yeah Mm -hmm. the werewolf only kills one person everyone else is done done in by another person Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so again to pull the pin on that that grenade, I don't think that this is Clue, but with a werewolf. No. Like, it's got some zany characters in it, but, like, so does Knives Out. I wouldn't call Knives Out Clue. Yeah. yeah it's I think... a comedy. It's got weird characters, and it's ostensibly a murder mystery, but not really. Yeah. Comedy, <laughs> you know? comedy with a mystery um, doesn't necessarily have to be Clue. Yeah. I think... Uh, I think in... I think sometimes the inclination desire from a review, like an actual reviewer or just someone giving you a review is they want to simplify something so they can uh, communicate why it is they didn't like it. Yeah. So by simplifying (laughs) it, you get to put it in a little box and then you get to sort of dismiss, you know, what it is by giving it a full read through and say, Oh, well, it's really like this. Yeah. Um, and then you can be dismissive with it and don't review it poorly because you've uh, you've simplified someone's creative work and you put it in a little box and then you're you get to like um, I don't know just basically be dismissive with it you know in, yeah. in that sense and I see that's an often that's a reflexive kind of thing oh yeah yeah I mean to be fair that my my quibble with that like I I think the AV AV rating on that was actually good. Um, I just I, the characterization of Clue with werewolves, though, like, like you were saying, it, it seems like it would come from a review that's kind of shitting on something because <laughs> yeah. it does seem very dismissive of like, oh, we've seen this before, but they added it one new element. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, the the, uh, the movie becomes a a, a series of um, set pieces where, and and you can see pretty clearly where in the game the characters would be doing this whenever a character dies usually all of the characters are lined up in a circle and they're guessing who who killed what Mm -hmm. and then at some point in the movie it becomes okay it's obviously a werewolf doing this (laughs) despite all evidence to the contrary (laughs) um there's a really like coen brothers-esque series of events um towards the end of the movie that that um that i was just like wow i could totally see this happening in like 
maybe not raising Arizona, but like a Fargo almost, mm-hmm. where one of the characters yeah. is robbing the house of characters he doesn't realize are, are in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, then he goes out outside and his girlfriend backs the truck up over him, killing him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the owner of the house shoots the lady who's driving the truck. Like it's a very quick series of events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh... You know, if you wanted to put the sort of quirky attitude where, you know, it's, it's again, it's a little bit self-aware where you yeah. have that tongue-in-cheek sort of humor. Like, oh, and everyone's kind of playing their parts um, uh, very earnestly, but like yeah. a little bit over the top. Like no one's playing it super straight, you know? No. no, no everyone's no. like... <laughs> realize okay this is kind of cheese um in in that respect um so for me it was like uh, the last thing i remember watching that was like this i've seen knives out knives out i feel it's a little more serious but still also has like okay we we realize the conceit we're playing with this um yeah uh i think um cabin in the woods where um you have kind of that tongue-in-cheek thing you know it's more a vibe rather than mm-hmm. saying like one movie is like the other yeah i'd say even cabin in the woods is a little more serious um oh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so but you still have some of that like tongue-in-cheek uh sort of um sort of feel so that's kind of what i felt while watching it is interesting i liked uh what's her name that actress that you named oh melena um, van Trapp. yeah you know from every uh, one's oh look, that's a very recognizable face in this AT and T commercial. Um, yeah, from her days there, and then hearing about Squirrel Girl wasn't going to happen. I was like, oh, that might have been fun. And then I think they have a she podcast. Fan- she would have been a fantastic Squirrel Girl. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I I would have loved her as Squirrel Girl. That's amazing. I know. Uh, so I was sad when that didn't happen, but I've seen like a podcast or something. I don't know if they're doing that or, or what's going on in that regard. Um, oh, like for Squirrel Girl? Or... Yeah, yeah. I saw like a Squirrel Girl podcast. I'm not sure if that's her. Oh, or... okay. Oh, um, uh, let's see. It's Marvel Squirrel. Oh, it's a radio show. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. She yeah, I mean, she voiced Squirrel Girl in, let's see, Secret Warriors, New Warriors. Oh, that's an un- unaired plot. Um, yeah, she voices yeah, she... Squirrel Girl in this radio show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I saw that at least that's a thing. Um, yeah, maybe Marvel was like, wow, that's too niche for us right now. Um, who knows? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, now's the time. Just if, if you're introducing Moon Knight, you got room for fucking Squirrel Girl. You do. It's fun. <laughs> you can have uh, fun with it. Um, She's very charming. Yeah. I found her fun. The episode of her with uh, in Silicon Valley, where she mm. plays like like a dom or something like that, like a dom female. It's a very small part. That's only in a very couple funny. Episodes, but um, she plays like one of the guys girlfriends i think oh okay um, uh but yeah that was a lot of fun so, yeah <laughs> we'll see more stuff 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, in in this movie, I I will say that I like the um, the because spoilers, you know, there is a werewolf because it's werewolves within, um, and she is the werewolf, um, mm-hmm. which I have to admit, like I <laughs> I called it the first time watching it when um, she she's leading the ranger like around a a tour of the town it's it's where the audience can kind of get introduced to all of these characters and she gets to the bar where where which is ostensibly her home and she just makes some throwaway comment like oh yeah i i can see what i can heat up um the owners go out of town during the winter season so they're letting me stay here for free and it's like "Mm, i feel like you murdered everyone (laughs) you're just living there but um, I love the character design for the the werewolf in this because a lot of times you like especially with like you know, underworld and the order and things like that, mm-hmm. um, you you have these like more animalistic like more long snout type type werewolves and mm-hmm. in this they kind of went with the the like classic like uh, Lon Chaney Junior werewolf where it's just like a human's face and then like kind of a snout <laughs> like yeah you can tell it's a prosthetic but it's it's still a human face yeah <laughs> keep it keep it close enough for the furries okay you know we gotta we gotta hit all the fan bases yeah well no and, and i mean it's it's not that it's more attractive or anything it's just it's not a style hey, speak, of speak for yourself see. zach speak for yourself okay <laughs> it's <laughs> It's not a style that you see anymore. Like ever since American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. everyone's got to have the transformation sequence, and it's like, well, now they have to be like dog things, right? It's they like, got to be no, huge. I mean, yeah. They got to be huge. They they've got to have you you know Underworld. The uh, the actors famously had to practice for like six months on stilts because mm-hmm. of the dog like shape to them yeah. that they wanted, which means that all of the werewolves are like eight and nine feet tall. Yeah. Um, whereas this like it's a low budget horror movie. You just throw on some, some brown paint, add some patches of hair, maybe a little Mm -hmm. rubber snout. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, Hey, she's transformed. We can still hang like, you know, that's fine. That's not, yeah. Don't try to eat me. We can throw axes in your bar. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. (laughs) No big deal. I did. I do like how she made fun of sort of the manic. No, it wasn't exactly manic pixie. But it was yeah. the conceit of like, yeah, this very attractive woman is just going to be interested in you, like immediately. And he's like, oh, yeah. well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so. no, well, and, and I do like the writing in this, like the the which was done by someone named Mishno Mishno Wolf, which I found very funny that someone named Wolf wrote this. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, the uh, the the writing in this is really cool because yeah when she's delivering her monologue at the end she's like what you thought i was acting like the girls like that don't exist like that's not a thing that women do um and just you know commenting on on you know like you said the manic pixie dream girl type meet cute that normally happens for main female leads in movies a lot um I, I like the subversion of that. Um, 
it's it's just it's a very tongue-in-cheek movie like it opens with this doomy gloomy music and it flashes a quote up on the screen line by line by line and then it gets to the attribution and it's mr rogers <laughs> and then werewolf Hal, <laughs> the title the, the credits play <laughs> it really sets sets the tone from there uh, yeah my wife yeah. and i both enjoyed that yeah yeah well and how did your wife enjoy it because i know she's not a horror fan I mean, this isn't really a horror movie but yeah yeah this is um horror is um odd um some people would call this a horror movie based on what their conception of a horror movie is um but uh it doesn't really fall into the scary kind of horror that she finds no. um, disturbing or reprehensible um there and the thing about horror as a genre like uh what was the um brie larson her first movie that uh went really big um the one where she's set as a hostage um what is that one called Uh, hostage room room yes room Uh uh-huh yeah so for me a movie like the room is a much uh, more of a horror film, yeah, and uh, you know, intense film than many, many, many horror movies that I watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's for sure. You know, <laughs> um, and horror can have a realistic component, like it can be set in a realistic place, or it can be set in, um, you know, Hellraiser one and, and whatnot. So it's uh, it's really as horror as a state of mind. Think. And yeah. if it puts you, if it puts that person in that state of mind, then it's a horror. Her watching this movie never put her mind in that horror state of mind. Yeah. Um, so horror fans, I don't uh, would enjoy this. Um, but you know, if you like uh, Cabin in the Woods, I think was a good comparison. Yeah, it, it kind of subverts a lot of the tropes of what this mm-hmm. type of movie does. Yeah, and. Um, so I think uh, that hits for fans. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's an entertaining watch. Okay. Yeah, it, it it's a very brisk watch, too, because it's only like 90 minutes. It's just barely featurely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you see that SNL digital short recently? Um, that's about 90 minute movies. Yeah. Um, that was entertaining, but also weird. No, I didn't. Digital short, ninety-minute movies. Yeah, you should watch it. It's fun. Okay, I will check that out. Uh, I know that Netflix has a section now called "Movies Under Ninety Minutes," which is very funny to me. I because with when credits they came out with that. Yeah, with credits that means it's like eighty-five, <laughs> which isn't technically a movie, but. <laughs> if you listen to the the not 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 the important nato but the much more less, much less important nato <laughs> uh guidelines that's that's very funny um yeah they and i i've noticed there, there seems to be a lot more movies coming out that like d- despite you know the batman and dune and all, all of those movies that are like pushing three hours coming out um there's a lot of movies that are seemingly just like yeah we're gonna make this like 92 minutes and 
we're just gonna be out of your hair. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the SNL digital short I think really uh, hits at modern sensibilities. You know, people wanting to watch something that um, is quick and easy, and that they can also like have their phone in their hand at the same time while they're watching. Which to me, that's fine. I know we've talked about this before. That's yeah. great. People can consume media however they want. Mm -hmm. But if I want to just sit on my phone and like browse Reverb or the internet while I'm watching something, I actually just want to go do that thing that I'm doing on my phone. <laughs> you know, uh, if I'm reading an article or shopping or something, I'm just going to go to my computer. Um, which is, you know, an antiquated concept nowadays. I don't know. People still have computers in their houses, but many, many, many more people, I think, uh, have like a cell phone than access the internet there. Um, many cell members of my tablets. family. I feel yeah. like tablets have really, like my mom just this past year finally got a smartphone. Like mm -hmm. she was using a dumb phone. Mm -hmm. So like hearing her text was hilarious because it was just this like beep, 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 because if anyone listening is not old enough to remember T9 messaging, um, you had you could choose each each numbered button had one of three letters on it that you could hit once or twice rapidly to get to the second. Right. <laughs> right. Stop, Zach. You're aging yourself. Stop. Um, now. And so, yeah, like a lot of people, like because smartphones are so ubiquitous, like tablets are just an easy jump. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I would imagine that the people with actual computers in their house are dropping. Like we don't have an actual computer. I have my laptop. And my yeah. wife has her Chromebook and, and two laptops. Mm -hmm. um, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like I... Yeah, I think you and Stuart are the only... No, I know a couple other people that have like an actual computer in their house. Uh, I've been able to mute most of my sniffling. I'm sorry for that last one. I know, you're fine. <laughs> I went outside with allergies. Uh, yeah, allergies allergy. suck. Well, I'm I'm allergic to allergy medications. So I yeah, just gotta you're, just, you're totally screwed every which way. Yeah, That's it's just terrible. a lot of just trejas right in my face, like going outside in, in Atlanta. It's It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is bad, but I'm I'm glad to be out of the Georgia area because man, yeah. those trees. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's it's so gross too, especially if it hasn't rained in a while because the wind will blow and you'll get these little dust tornadoes, but they're yellow because it's just all pollen. Real bad. Anyway, we're talking about the uh, <laughs> allergies now instead of the movie. Did you have any final thoughts on this movie? Um, yeah, I mean, I have some favorite movies that are kind of like this. Uh, I don't know if this will hit that list. I did enjoy it. Um, uh, if you just want something entertaining to watch, it definitely, it definitely fulfills that. So, What were the other movies similar to this? Because some recommendations might. Uh, I mean, I don't know anyone who's interested that hasn't watched cabin in the woods already um, oh yeah yeah cabin yeah. in the woods definitely is yeah i think that has um more horror element to it uh which i yeah. find attractive and also um a little more emotional investment stakes 
even from right. the small amount of time that we share with the characters. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of, kind of my jam. Um, other than that, I, I don't have anything bad to say about this movie. Really. And uh, yeah, I think definitely should yeah. give it a watch and, um, you know, give it a second life so that uh, we can get more stuff like this, which I always enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I, I guess my, my final thoughts on it are um, I was surprised uh, that most, so most mo- video game movies barring Mortal Kombat are, and I guess Resident Evil, uh, although maybe the last couple were PG-13 for Resident Evil, most video game adaptations are PG-13. This was like a hard R. Like there's, there is gore and violence in this. There's uh, lots of bad language. Um, and not saying it has to be in there, but like it's it's very gutsy, I think, for a video game adaptation to come out and be like, yeah, no, we're just going to embrace the R. Like, that's fine. Yep. And because it didn't make a bajillion dollars. Um, yeah. Execs are going to be like, no, nah, we're not going to do that again. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Studios always take the wrong lesson. It's like, you released this in June of 2021. Like, yep. yes, there was still a pandemic going on. That's why no one saw. I didn't know that this movie was coming out. My wife went just because she was like, hey, what's something? I think I was visiting my family out of state. And she was just like, hey, what can I do on this random Saturday? Oh, hey, the plaza has a drive-in thing. Werewolf movie. Yeah, I'll go to movie like i don't remember a single trailer for this film coming out yeah i knew about it um i think i was just looking for things to watch at the time Mm. and uh so i heard about it i didn't go see it this is the first time i've I've seen it so i was aware of it um i was aware of other things that i haven't seen yet like the candy (laughs) man uh that i still want to watch so Oh, that one's real good. Is it? That's nice. Nice to Yeah. It yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go see it in theaters, but it just didn't happen. So Um I don't know if that one's theater worth like I maybe you're you you're fine with just anything in, in a theater. Like there are certain movies I'll go to the theater for and then some I'm just like I'll wait for it to come home. <laughs> yeah i guess i'm i'm uh to say i'm a discriminating watcher but if um if i want to see a movie i think i'd always prefer to see it in theaters if i had a choice um yeah. uh, just because i like you know that cinematic perspective i like yeah. other people yelling at other people to turn their phone off so i'm not going to worry so but that's just me that's yeah no and on that's not to say i i dearly love going to the theater like these past three years have been very difficult because i like going to the theater it's just you know there, there's some that it's like especially with the pandemic it's like ah, i'm not gonna go out and see oh, yeah. i'll just wait for that like like um oh yeah you know i don't know what it would take for me to go out to a theater again um other than going with friends obviously um like for me to like individually go because i i used to go to the theater every couple of weeks Mm -hmm. um but like if dune and the batman did not get me out of the 
Wilson into a theater. Um, mm. <laughs> it's going to take one special, special movie for me to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should just go way overboard like I have and just rent a theater. Just completely <laughs> grossly, like non economically sound <laughs> decision to go rent a theater just so that you can do it. You know, I mean, if you if you went with 20 people, like it'd be like 10 bucks, 10 or 11 bucks a person, which is honestly cheaper than buying a movie ticket. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody I invited paid any of the cut of the film. It was just me paying it. <laughs> I also didn't ask for any money in return. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I freely invited people, so that's fine. Um, but that's how I've been able to finagle that for the Batman not Dune. I think we saw Dune several weeks after on like a Sunday matinee. So there was really nobody there. Um, the Batman. That was fun. Um, don't really want to review that movie just because I know people have a lot of feelings strongly about it. And I don't feel strongly enough about critiquing it. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy some aspects of that film and I'll leave it at that. That's it for me. Before I uh, just become a giant talking ball of histamines. Okay. All right. Well, uh, in that case, the uh, the book club book is Ready Player Two. Um, Stuart and I will be talking about that. Our next episode with Richard and I is... Uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Vetoed. Um, what? Why? <laughs> no, I've, I've seen some of that. It's, it's an interesting enough concept for a movie. I can watch that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, it's definitely a uh, an interesting one. There's, there's reasons for it, but we'll talk about that next time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. See y'all.